Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask, and with us today in the hot seat uh, is our uh, occasional guest, Emily Kelly. Hi, Emily. Hi. Emily is the host of uh, Fan Theories, which is another podcast um, that is on the Their Network. <laughs> and um, I, it seemed I, everyone got so quiet. I thought there'd be more chit chat. But Emily, I was going to say, why don't, statement. <laughs> why don't you uh, tell us what uh, is coming up on Fan Theories this month? So we skipped February. For because it's a short month, or because we just forgot, I'm not sure. But we had um, it scheduled for the 29th. We did, and I just <laughs> I calendar snafu. Of, if you follow me like on on Twitter and listen to my other podcasts, you'll know that I have been extremely busy with wedding planning. Um, getting married is like a full time job, essentially. So mm. sorry, sorry if you were very excited about the 27th episode of uh well the third episode on the 27th of fan theories but we will have it and it's still mass effect but now it'll just be more even perfectly timed to the release of of mass effect andromeda it'll come out monday the 20th and so that's the day before the game comes out so mm-hmm. listen to the episode get really hyped for andromeda and then the next day or at midnight get andromeda and and live your mass effect dreams i like that Excellent. idea and uh they can find that at there.network and they I like us. that it's a uh, fan theories about um, a game too. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and and like in my research, I've discovered some really really cool fan theories. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's funny like when you know as fans. I mean, obviously, it's the whole point of the show is that these are theories made up by just people who love it. Of there's one of the biggest Mass Effect fan theories is just a collection of seriously like thousands of people's ideas about this singular theory. So it's going to be really great. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be Oh, cool awesome. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that would be very cool. Uh, the last episode you did was on um, Westworld, which yes. I had not watched, but I did listen to it, even though you told me not to at the top of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but it actually made me much more interested in watching all of Westworld you know, for someone where I was like, ah, I just don't know if I totally buy into it yet. I was like, oh, if I could think about all these crazy theories while watching it. Yeah, that'll be cool. So. Oh, I'm so uh, glad. And, and it was so fun to have Carly Lane on the show. She's so smart and funny and knows so much about Westworld, among other stuff. Um, so that was really great. It, to was, have her. it was she too. That Like I had my problems with Westworld and it was her that maybe, and you guys too, obviously it was, that almost made me reconsider that and, and maybe start watching it fresh this summer um, at some point with a, you know, maybe a different perspective on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's jump into this today's topic, which is uh, the movie Logan, which is Logan. correct. Logan. On, correct Logan. my facts. This is the <laughs> third solo Wolverine movie, the 11th X-Men movie. And uh, Hugh Jackman has now been playing Wolverine for 17 years or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I hope I got all those numbers right. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, Emily, what what's your like quick uh, elevator review of it? What were your what's your short thoughts? Um, as an X Men fan of basically twenty years, it was the X Men movie I've always dreamed of. Really? Um, yeah, and I just loved it so much. I mean, it, there I, I still have problems with it. I'm we'll talk about it i'm sure but really i mean this was the best thing i could have hoped for as both hugh jackman and um sir patrick stewart are exiting the franchise um i'm so happy and and pleased with it overall all right taylor what about you 
Um, I went in sort of with high expectations because everybody talking about it was talking about it like this might be an Oscar worthy movie. And so I, I and the fact that James Mangold directed one of my favorite movies, 310 to Yuma. Um, mm. And this kind of had this this looked aesthetically like it might be more of a Western sort of sensibility. I was sort of stoked going in. I think um, I wasn't disappointed. I had a, an issue here or there, but I think overall I, it was it it felt a lot to me like I felt a lot like watching Mad Max Fury Road. It just had that sort of like surprising kind of like, oh, this is wow. They really they really nailed this um, according to everything they wanted to do. So, yeah. Uh, so my quick summary is uh, similar to your it's I'm right in between you two, probably. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm less enthusiastic. I don't know. I went in, I'd heard, um, I had, someone had retweeted a headline as much as I tried to avoid the hype of, will this be the first superhero movie to win Best Picture Oscar? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like all the hype I had heard. I'd seen the trailers, mm-hmm. but went in really pure. And um, was I enjoyed it, but uh, I just, I you know, that I don't know, that just kind of, I hate saying that it was affected by the hype or something, but I just wasn't as super excited about it when it was over. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested Emily in what you said, which is this is the Wolverine movie that you've always wanted because I kind of felt that way about the last one, the Wolverine. <laughs> oh, and the one in Japan. Yes. I, I'm, I, what, I didn't see that. The Karate <laughs> Kid 2 of the, wait, of the wait, franchise. What? You didn't see it? I did not see it. Neither did Taylor. What the hell? We're doing a Wolverine podcast. I know. (laughs) OMG. Funnily enough, I don't think it has any bearing on what happens on Logan. No, not at all. (laughs) Because of because of the the continuity. Yeah. Because of all the (laughs) continuity weirdness. I Wikipedia. I Wikipedia. So I'm familiar with the story. Let's be clear though. Emily said continuity. They've gone on the record a few times as saying this. This Logan almost exists in a world that you can almost separate it, even though the same actors have been in all the X-Men stuff, you can almost separate it from that world, especially because when they flash the years, like 2029, like that doesn't, or sorry, is it 2020? Yeah, that doesn't line up, that doesn't line up at all with like anything we've seen previously. So it's almost kind of its own, its own thing. Well, it's a world, it's a world in which Professor X says, fuck. (laughs) it was my favorite part yeah. of the whole movie it's like xavier said curse words he said them. <laughs> yeah but it, nothing about it felt uh weird you know i didn't i didn't feel like they were trying to do like i didn't feel like they were trying to make like the adult superhero movie and like <laughs> yeah. you know let's just put a bunch of curse words and violence in it like it all fit the world very well yeah. Yeah, so I and now I'm like I've totally lost my footing that both neither of you has seen the Wolverine. I'm I'm stunned. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair though, I have read the comic that it was very loosely based on. Um, and that was pretty good. That was like way better than the movie probably was. So I, I, I at least know what it's like a little bit about. I'm gonna tell you, you both need to go watch this movie and we can okay. do a follow-up all Wolverine <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> yes, please, please yes. let's not. That means we have to talk about X Men's origins, and that's just not. No. There's it, no one needs to talk about that. I mean, <laughs> but when you think about it, like after X Men Three, to make a worse X Men movie <laughs> was, was like was they, they really, had to try really hard. Yeah, yeah, enormous achievement. I mean, kudos. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean. Um, uh, we, you know, I jumped right into the thoughts on Logan. We didn't even talk about sort of the the preview build up to watching the movie. 
Um, Emily, one thing that Taylor and I do occasionally is talk about like, what was your experience like in the theater? Like what theater did you choose? You know, IMAX, regular. Ooh, that's a good point. Tell, tell us about it. Okay, so we have this theater here in the Valley of, of Southern California called, it's the Edwards. So, I'm, you know, it's a franchise kind of uh, sure movie theater. So it's lovely. So it's in Calabasas. So it's like for rich people, right? Like Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Yeah, come Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it's very fancy. I just like it because they usually have the movie times posted very early as opposed to like our local AMC. And they have the full reclining seats. Yep. which is what up and we didn't realize this when we booked the tickets they have a bar in there now so you can Sweet. order a beer to take into or or whatever a mixed drink to take into the theater with you and so we're like just gonna get popcorn and candy and then peter's like i come out of the bathroom peter's like doing this crazy neck motion of like look there's a bar should we get booze and i'm like we should absolutely get booze that's what logan would have wanted uh, totally. <laughs> so yeah. we got beer not- yeah, he did really, not consume anything but booze in that entire movie. Yeah, I was like, this is perfect. I feel like we should have had teeny tiny like airline bottles of booze with us also, but I didn't know that about the movie. So we had beer and in our full reclining seats. And there was mostly like, um, we had some really funny like women who were sitting next to us who would scream and all like the the gory like blood really? fight scene. Really funny. And then a lot of bros. A lot of bros who wanted to talk about <laughs> Really? Us. Yeah. Wow, Okay. A lot uh, of bros who were very intent on explaining how much they knew about the X-Men to anyone who would listen. Oh, my God. <laughs> was, the, you was the theater full? No, it was probably like half full. And I mean, because did, it's a smaller theater, so I think it's mostly like, you know, kids who can be out late um, uh, or adult people who don't have to like work in the morning. Because we saw a 10 o'clock showing, so that's a bit late. On Thursday night, right? On like Thursday night, Okay, yeah. okay. So it's school night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Taylor, what about you? Um, so I eschewed my normal Alamo Drafthouse pilgrimage um, because there's, and I like to spread the, the love around Denver here and there. There's a theater <laughs> near me um, that I just refer to as the Chinese theater because it's sort of modeled, the front of it's modeled kind of loosely off to the, the Grauman's Chinese theater. Uh, that's, called the, that's called the TCL Chinese theater, by the oh, way. Oh, sorry. TCL. Okay. TCL. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of got that vibe and in interior. It's got that vibe, too. So I've always kind of dug seeing stuff there. However, I did not realize last night, I haven't been there for like a year, sat, you know, shame on me. They have, AMC has been totally renovating it. So they're keeping the Chinese stuff, but they're making it like way nicer. All the seats now are reclining, you know, like front and back um they're overdoing you know overhauling the concession stuff it's gonna be badass they've also added an imax component that's why i texted todd yesterday when i was buying my ticket i noticed that wolverine or sorry logan was an imax i'm like why would you need to see this in imax like what would be the benefit um but i i saw it in regular regular you know just 2d regular max yeah regular max (laughs) but had a lovely lovely evening because it was just like it was i was so captivated by this theater now that it's going to be my second go-to after draft house. Um, All right. They don't, they don't have the, uh, they don't have the concessions that draft house does. I don't think anybody does, but they're, you know, it'll be, it'll be a fun place to see goofy summer movies and stuff and, and kind of just hang out. Cool. Well, I, uh, I went down to San Diego um, and saw it with a group of friends um, who were all co- giant comic book nerds. Um, I was possibly the only uh, uh, a man in attendance without a comic book t-shirt on. Um, although I had changed out of one. <laughs> I was going to say, that seems surprising for you, Todd. You have so many fun, cool geeky shirts. That's- I, 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 do I? Do I? Uh, 
but yeah, I have a really awesome one. I wish I could remember the maker of it now, but you got to Google this. It's uh, the cover of a Blondie record, but she's wearing Spider Gwen's costume. Oh, that's cool. It's so good. <laughs> so it's Debbie Harry's face with uh, Spider Gwen's like a cowl tucked back behind her. Um, anyway, uh, that's what I took off to go to the movie. And um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, same I, I, AMC, but like reclining seats. I got a beer before I went in. Um we, because we'd all bought our tickets at separate times um, to the same theater, uh, I mean, we all went to the same showing, but we we didn't coordinate on buying the tickets. So the group that I went with, we were all spread out. Um, so we weren't all like in a bunch. So I, I think that was kind of an interesting, you know, it wasn't like a whole row of people like cheering it on or something. Um, we were definitely all up, um, among strangers. Um, <laughs> it was packed. It was Friday night, but I bought my tickets that morning and had no problem. Um, so it wasn't like sold out, you know, mm-hmm. super in advance, but, uh, that's, and then, and then the one, um, thing that we can, this, we can talk about this too. I knew there was no stinger after the credits. So mm. <laughs> I left to go to the restroom <laughs> as soon as the credits started rolling. And like, and so I come out of the restroom and like, I can't find my friends and I'm going, what is going on? And like, I go back in the theater and it's still packed. <laughs> they're just waiting they're just there's like a hundred idiots sitting in this theater <laughs> watching all of the credits <laughs> that's I got, funny i stood up as soon as it was over because i had to go to the bathroom but i i just like jolted out of there and i think everybody gave me this look like wait yeah are you leaving and i'm like don't you guys know didn't you read ahead <laughs> <laughs> you're wasting I, your time i usually stay just because and it's funny like at the end too they said like making this movie created like fifteen thousand jobs or something Ooh, and so cool. i just i just stay like in solidarity of the people who worked on the movie because that's, that's usually the only like who no one knows the best boy grip of that movie like no one's gonna see that guy in the street and go oh my god you're the best boy grip of logan like so i just maybe i'm like on my phone like checking my twitter or whatever about logan but i still sit there like you guys worked really hard on this movie and i'll stay through the credits like to recognize all your hard work Thanks, That's everyone. cool. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, I, should do, I should do that more often. <laughs> yeah, just, somebody who wants to be part of that community, I should I should probably do this. <laughs> and just do it with like a fist in the air. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, one of you should tell us, um, well, like, should we start with the previews? Taylor, there was a preview trailer that you wanted to mention that we had, yeah. not, we had not previously talked about. There's a couple. Um, the one that I had no idea was coming that I just sat there sort of confused by was this one called The Circle. And it starts with Tom Hanks as like a CEO of some sort, like doing like a spiel, like, you know, like we, and I'm assuming the company he's CEOs is like the, is basically like the movie equivalent of Google, more or less. Um, and he's just like, you know, we are here to change the world, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, is it Emma Watson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I always confuse her and Thomas, and I know uh, they're very two different people. But yeah, Emma Watson appears with an American accent, and then at some point, like Patton Oswalt is sitting next to Tom Hanks. And I'm like, <laughs> I love that. He this? didn't say anything in the trailer. No, and I'm like, is this a rom com? But then there's like this sinister undertone, and I'm like, I'm like, is this what is this gonna be? And like the the trailer ended, and it had one of those like uh, marketing packages with the logo and everything that was very sort of ex machina esque, and you're just like, what is? what is this? And I just, and then they, the lights went off. So we couldn't even like pull out our phones to check, you know? So I was just like left, I left the theater and I was just like, what, what is that supposed to even be? And it says on IMDb, it's a thriller, but I, the trailer is really weird. I will say this. 
I will go and see it only because I have been long saying Tom Hanks as a villain would be a badass thing or just an antagonist in general. Yeah. Because he spent so many years like getting us to trust him to, for him to flip that. <laughs> like, for the audience, it would be really, really thrilling. It would be like, Dad, oh my no. God. Yeah, exactly. No, Dad. <laughs> oh, America's dad. Stop. No. Don't shoot Emma Watson. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that. Maybe it's one of those movies we talk about later. Uh, yeah, it's um, based on a Dave Eggers novel. Um, oh that I, I knew about when, when that came out. Uh, I've not read it. Um, and I had seen just a poster with that like logo lockup. Yeah. So I had wondered when I saw that poster like a long time ago, like, oh, is this based on that Eggers novel? Um, so for me, it was, it was like thrilling in a different sense because I was like, oh, cool. They've really made like, you know, this is sort of the uh, dystopian present of, you know, social media and tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they just, you know, I mean, with that cast. It looks a lot like antitrust. Like a lot like oh, antitrust. Oh, interesting. I kept thinking it looked so much like the um Fassbender Steve Jobs movie. Oh, interesting. Like I just saw it as like so many parallels with the, you know, the audience that he's speaking to and stuff like that. Like um mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I I I always like the previews before movies because I mean I just always have it gets you like a little bit hyped. But now that I don't have television, I have like no clue. Like the only time I <laughs> ever know what like movies are coming out is if they're like geeky movies that I'm obviously acutely aware of. And any other movie, I'm like, what the hell is this? Because I would have never seen any commercials for it like on television or like you know anything like that. So I was intrigued by it and i just anytime i see emma watson i'm like oh hey girl hey i'll watch anything that you're in pretty much and then john boyega shows up too and i'm like oh good oh my god Finn's oh in yeah okay oh my god okay hey so it looks really cool and i love like thrillers like that um where they're like you know psychological thrillers and it is an obviously a hot topic right now of how much do our tech companies know about us and our lives yeah. i mean like anyone who has a facebook you know that the facebook ads that pop up next to your facebook are what you have been browsing recently even like down to the exact thing that you were looking at on amazon like an hour ago so it is a it's a little freaky it's a little weird to think about but pat and oswald's there to remind you that it's okay at the end of the yeah day. it's okay there will be i don't know he could be more sinister than all of them <laughs> He'll have to prove that because here's the deal. Like if, if, if you watch the informant, which we'll do a whole other show on some other time, but like the informant, he, he pops in there at one point and you just start laughing because just his fear, his mere physical presence in a movie and the way he speaks is so like, there's nothing dramatic about it. It's just very like, you know, he's, he's there to tell you something geeky and nerdy and fun and not to be like, and now we're going to steal your life's data. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll bring up a movie that I have not seen. <laughs> But I think to counter that, you should see Big Fan with Ben oh. where he plays a crazed fan of the oh. New York Giants. Yes. Interesting. Like, like a face painting crazy <laughs> fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Emily, um, so the, the, tr- the previews end and mm-hmm. uh, the 20th Century Fox logo comes up. And then something really weird happened for us who saw this before Saturday morning. Would you like to tell us about it? <laughs> yeah. And so and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh, okay, great. Cool. Here's the movie. Because like the lights went down and everything. Oh, yeah. I was totally. like, oh, cool. Okay, here we go. And then all of a sudden it's Ryan Reynolds fucked up face. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is Deadpool. And for a minute I was like, 
they those liars like yeah exactly and so and obviously they're not liars and i actually was a poor james mangold had still on twitter today is having to defend his thing of like no he's not in the movie it's not part of the movie please stop harassing me everyone so it was was so like like the you know it's like it shows the streets that look like what we think the streets of logan will look like and it slowly pans up his sort of dirty disheveled clothing and there's a figure in a hoodie I mean, yeah. it was like so clear, like, oh, I know. they got this to look like Logan. Like they trolled us so hard oh, on yeah. it. And I oh, loved yeah. and I loved every second of the trailer. Oh, it was yeah. just so funny. And I loved all of the, I mean, the, obviously the fourth wall breaking because it's like on the, the movie marquee, it says Logan. Yeah. And so, and just like so many other like jokes of like on the phone booth, it says Nathan Summers is coming soon. But obviously it's like a naughty coming and it was just so funny and just like he's so perfect in that role like i still i just can't even get over how like how lucky we are to have ryan reynolds as deadpool in our lives right now so it was such a treat i think before because i was like already excited for logan and then to just sit there and get like a really like a double sneak preview like nobody even realized that this was happening and 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 gonna be part of logan and so it was really it was really exciting and I i laughed so hard of all the secrets that they could keep, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm still surprised when Game of Thrones or somebody pulls one over on us. And yeah. that one, I, at dinner earlier, I had joked to my friends, we were talking about the tone of Logan and, you know, would it, would it be very similar to 310 to Yuma and stuff like that? And I had said, I don't know if, you know, if Deadpool's the first face I see in this movie, it's all out the window. And then like he shows up (laughs) and even though I was seated apart from my friends, I felt this like motion in my periphery. And then (laughs) after the movie, one of my friends had said that she jolted upright, like stared over trying to find me in the darkness. Like, because it was like as soon as you see his face yeah uh, yeah we all had that reaction of like oh shit i know i was like this is a totally different movie i was like (laughs) hitting him and the next day like oh my god oh my god so no it was great and it was so funny and just like so deadpool and i half expected that old man though to be stan lee yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 have you seen the version that Ryan Reynolds put out, which is longer and does include Stanley? Yeah, I what? did, and it's no. so so ridiculous. Oh. Like, oh my god, I'm and glad they didn't not- kill Stanley. Like, he's 95 years old or something. Like, it's, just, it's a little too close. Okay, too I was uh, I was super bummed because Taylor texted me in the morning and and uh, what, what you asked me to rate the movie on a scale one to ten. And then you and then you had this follow up text that was like, "Oh, I already saw the Ryan Reynolds thing," and I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> it was like, if you know, I mean, that experience of like not knowing it was coming was really. Oh, amazing. I'm sure. And so well, I was bummed it, they put it out on Saturday morning, but somebody even if he hadn't, it. everybody was. I'm like, you couldn't look at Twitter or Facebook without having oh, somebody right. go, "Oh my God, Deadpool's in!" Oh, so it's, I knew that was. I knew it was coming and I'm, I'm glad it, it was there. I'm glad it was there at the beginning and not the end. Like that was kind of the perfect, that was their perfect way of, of sort of, you know, not having an end sequence, which honestly, I'm glad they did the way the movie ends. And by the way, just before we get into the meat of it, there's going to be spoilers up the, up the Yazoo here. So if you haven't oh. seen it yet, please oh, good. <laughs> pause, stop listening, come back after you've seen it. And if you were like, I don't care, just tell me anyway, we'll, we'll be talking about everything. Um, but the end of the way Logan ends <laughs> It does not need a, it would be really off-putting to have had a like, and meanwhile, like a stinger at the end or something that just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would have been a disservice to sort of the concluding aspect of this movie and just the whole character. So I kind of thought 
I, like originally, so when I heard there was no post credits thing, my brain went, oh yeah, of course not. That's a Fox movie. But um, then I recalled just as we started this podcast that there have been a couple post credit yeah. scenes in X-Men movies, right? Not it's after not the, after the, movie. after the, the Japan, the, the Wolverine Karate Kid 2 movie, there's one that leads into um, Days of Future Past actually. Really? Yeah, did you not see it? So Logan's walking through the airport and then Charles uh, slows down and he and uh, Magneto are there and they're like, we need your help, Logan. And then you're meant to think that like years after that, they, you know, we go into Days of Future Past. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. There's another one I know where they like meet uh, uh, Moira McTaggart, it seems like. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's in, like that's, that's how she was introduced. Yeah, that was like in X-Men three i think that yeah. was after x-men three yeah it was like that she then it's like charles's voice saying moria or whatever yeah he like he like oh, have some dead some dead dude in a coma that they talk it was such yeah. a weird it was as, so weird as crappy as x3 was it almost made me more angry i'm like don't don't hint that he might be back like <laughs> yeah i mean there is like precedent for it. i think that happens very similarly like in the comics but still so it was like a little like me would this good happen because god looks but it was really stupid yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, Taylor, should we, you had had, um, you'd wanted to kind of jump into like longer, some yeah. summaries of Logan, but, um, yeah, I have a few, I'll, I'll start first. Like I have a few kind of nascent observations and then we'll get into the meat of the matter. I think the first one that I noticed right away is they say the name Logan at least 7,500 <laughs> times. In this thing. Like I would, I would say Stephen, Mer half of Stephen Merchant's dialogue is just saying Logan. Louder. Like. <laughs> it's and it, it's fine, but I'm like at one point it just it was like it took me out of the movie, and I'm like it was part of their thing to say his name as many times as possible. Like is that a little inside joke? Like what is the, they're like Logan, 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 Logan. It's just it's like even, it's, it's even funnier that that's not even his real name. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's which not was, even his legit name. <laughs> and which was very confusing, and I appreciated it in the like first nod where Logan is working as a like basically like uber black driver or something. <laughs> yeah. and, and they show his cabbie license that says James Howlett. And yeah. I was, at first I thought like, oh, that's all we're going to see of that name. And it's kind of like a little Easter egg, like, hey, there's his real name. But then, <laughs> but then they said that later, like he introduces yeah. himself that way to, to a, a family that we'll talk about. And, and, um, and I think somebody else calls him James. And it was, so it was like, wait, I don't, I don't know. It just made when you put that note in I, I, down there about they said Logan a lot. I, I thought that was really funny because I noticed yeah. that too. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for the uh, the YouTube mashup where they just take them all and just like put them all like you know, start to finish just so we can see <laughs> like how many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten minutes of the movie was just them saying Logan. So, <laughs> so I the thing that really hit me at least, especially when we got to the last act, was that this was in every way possible the 2017 version of Leon the Professional. So I'm just going to call this Logan the Professional from now on. And if you haven't seen The Professional, uh, oh my God, it's a 1994, if I recall, movie with Natalie, a little Natalie Portman, who's about the same age as this actress, and Jean Renault, who is the uh, French guy in most things you see. They, just, they reel him in. But <laughs> he stars in it. He stars in it. He and Natalie Portman and then Gary Oldman sort of their antagonist. But my God, the... It's very, very similar. Just the beats, the uh, the the end, like how it ends, like where you know, the amount of violence, just everything is so similar. Um, and in a good way, not in a weird off-putting way, but it's just at one point I was like, man, this is a lot like The Professional. The other thing it reminded me of a little bit, 
uh, not to the same extent, was the movie, which is also based on a comic book, the history, uh, A History of Violence, um, which came mm. out uh, got about 10 years ago now, has Hugo, uh, not Hugo Weaving, is that his name? Oh, v- Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen, Jesus, Aragon. Um, yeah. yeah, he's in it. Um, Ed Harris is in it. Um, there's an element of that too, especially in that, you know, here's this dude just trying to do his thing and these other entities sort of show up and mess up his world and pull him back into the life he once had. And I really, uh, that, that was very visible to me too, but just this idea that this was the professional with X-Men is kind of fun. That, um, yeah, that's such a good, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. When I'm yeah. calling it now too, Daphne Keene, who played Laura, she's going to be the next Natalie Portman or Scarlett Johansson. Like she is exactly she as good as she is at that age, um, and she's a cute little kid too. Like she, I mean, when she was trying to be like you know, nice or sincere to him, like she, it was, she really nailed like the the range of emotions. But I just sat there going, my God, you're going to be the next one. Like we're going to ten years from now, you will be that actress. Um, yeah. which she is was so good. Yeah, she was. I incredible. mean, just I mean, like because like for like ninety percent of the movie, she didn't even speak, and it was just yeah. like in her face and like her yeah. mood. But I mean, just the I think when I t- had my my tweet thread about all my Twitter threads about this, of I wasn't sure how much of the stunts was done by her, and then people were very happy to correct me, of um that she did almost all of the fighting and stuff herself. I thought there was a gymnast that was part of it that was like her body. Yeah, body. I think it was like the. For the most part, most of the fighting is her. And then kind of some of the more complicated where she like jumps on top of people and like flips around and like puts her leg behind her to like stab the guy in the head. I think that yeah. was the double. But for the yeah. most part, it was her. And it was yeah. so good. Well, it was yeah. so – I'm glad you said that because uh, I did not think to look that up. But I thought too like it, it was so seamless. Like when she would go into a fight, you know – I couldn't, I was like, what, who is doing this fighting if not that little girl? Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and that's like the hallmark of a really good, like you can tell, I mean, there's a lot of movies, um, Scarlett Johansson, speaking of which, uses a double for the most part. Um, and you can tell, like in the filming, yeah. like that they have to do it from above or behind her or something. And it do, it never looks as good. Like if you're like, Peter, my fiance is a martial artist. And so he is a big fan of these classic Chinese and Japanese martial arts movies. And they're always so much better, the fighting, because mm-hmm. the actual actors are doing it. Well, so, and there's not that weird scene where like, it's a totally different shot where they're posed and then their head looks up at the camera. Like they just finished the yeah, fight. And, like, exactly. you know, it's not like, this is where <laughs> yeah. they're like, all right, Scarlett, we're gonna bring you back in now. And uh, exactly. You know, it's got that feeling. And this, the, a lot of the camera movement and Logan was so kinetic. Like there were shots that the camera would move and swoop around and do these like Moby style shots where it, there was no cut. So it had to be that actor doing that thing. Cause you would just mm-hmm. know, you'd find out. Um, I liked a lot of that. And there was a lot of, if you've seen 310 to Yuma, uh, which has been 10 years now, it's crazy. Um, if you've seen that, there's a lot of what James Mangold did, especially with the outdoor cinematography and really embracing like the uh, using the location as the character, like a lot of that. And I really love that, you know, whether it be the dusty sort of Arizona, Oklahoma deserts or like the, you know, at the end of the, of the thing, like the forest was beautiful, but you got this, like, you had this like tranquil environment contrasted with like all this violence going on and all this like friction and just those, those, that back and forth was, and, and even like the, um, the, where they keep Charles in the uh, old water tower. Um, mm-hmm. just like how the light comes in, like everything about it was, was very raw, but very intentional. And I really liked, I liked that attention there, that focus to detail. Um, the other thing that this, this really sort of put me in the mind of is, uh, Ex Machina because they, they, you can tell they really went out of their way to go. This is just about like these four or five characters 
and everybody else is like a, a red shirt. Like they're, that's just <laughs> these. Characters. And we're just going to keep it focused on them. We're not going to like, you know, we're not going to introduce 10 new. I mean, the kid, the other ex kids or the mutant kids are, are kind of a little more important, but for the most part, it's just, you know, it's Logan, Xavier, um, the girl, uh, or Laura rather, um, uh, Caliban. And then the not Garrett Hedlund guy plus, <laughs> plus the main the main uh, the main doctor of god uh, uh, dr. dr rice yeah yeah dr rice's character so it's basically those and like everybody else is kind of just you know there for 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 set dressing and i dug that because it let us really delve into the relationships of those characters the intent of those characters how they fit in the story at any given time um just really a very again very much reminding of x machina which really did that well and then just there's it flowed really nicely i think my only complaint um, and this was, I had seen this in a, a review beforehand. It's, it's a little long, like it, you know, just when you think you're like, oh, they're going to be starting their you know, the third act's going to kick in. It, it almost goes on every time you think it's going to end another 10 or 15 minutes longer than what you, you know, than when it should have stopped. And I wonder if they had shaved some of that down, would we have had an even more focused tight story? I don't know. That, um, that, I have, so I have two questions for you, Emily. One, <laughs> one is, what did you think about the length? We'll just start there. Like, Yeah, uh, it, it did feel quite long to me, just in the sense of like, this is an action movie and a comic book movie, typically a bit shorter. Um, and it just felt long because I had a beer before, so I had to pee. Yeah. And so that that's always, I mean, that's always hard when you're like, I really like this movie, but also beer is terrible. Um, so it, yeah, it did feel a little bit long. Uh, and I think there was some places where they could have, shaved down a little bit but i just i mean i would have to go back and see it again to tell you what parts yeah. but um no i mean I, I think they were just trying to make it more of like a movie movie right like yeah. they weren't yeah. they weren't going out to try to make an action film they were trying to go out and make a really good movie and a good goodbye to to wolverine so yeah. i didn't i wasn't you know it was okay it, I, I think that maybe they could have cut off five or ten minutes total but well, what, I'll ask you my, my next question, and then we can we can go back to that. Um, uh, which was, I've I've heard a lot of people do what Taylor just did, which is like kind of set it in a uh, a genre of films that you wouldn't necessarily think of with a superhero movie. Were there movies that you thought of uh, specifically where you were like, oh, this is kind of like this plus this, or was there a way you made sense of it that way? Yeah, I mean, I know that they toted Unforgiven quite often. Yeah. Um, and that's what they kind of, that's what James Mangold and Hugh Jackman both kind of like, they woke up like Hugh Jackman. I've heard him on the radio here in LA. He like woke up at like four in the morning, Australia time. And just was like, I want to make a Logan unforgiven movie. And that's mm -hmm. how we're going to say goodbye to this character. And huh. then he, just, he called up James Mangold. So it was like 4am Australia time. It's like the afternoon here. And just like described what he was thinking. And James Mangold was like, cool, cool. Like we'll start to work on it. And then they pitched, they basically pitched an X-Men Unforgiven. And the okay. studio was like, cool, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. And they're like, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that the studio was going to let them do that. But it was, you know, after after Deadpool. Just stop for a second and, and recognize Fox for that. Like Fox has been the bar. And they're just not scared. Of, I mean, it's, it's really impressive to see both that Deadpool happened um, when everything was set against it. And the fact that they're like, yep, you, you know, here you go. And then like, I mean, just and we're what only two years from Fantastic Four or whatever the hell that monstrosity Piece abortion of shit was. Yeah. was. Yeah, it's like, and so the fact that we can go from just from that to actually good quality stuff. It's I just, it, I mean, there should be a standing O at some point. Well, 
I, yeah. I, that's a great topic too. And we could, <laughs> we could do another whole podcast on like <laughs> the, the recent history of superhero movies, because you're right. Like this just shows how much Fox has. Yeah. I would think of those other fantastic four movies, even though they didn't, the first two yeah. um, were sort of, <laughs> pre-Avengers um, MCU, but mm. they were all in that ilk, you know, yeah. of like, yeah. of like sort of uh, sunshiny, bright colors. Um, but, well, know. and Kevin Feige was a producer on those. So there's a, there's yeah, a yeah. Sort of tie, you know, there's, there's DNA that, that you and, can and the same with the about. Spider-Man movies on Sony, uh, yeah. you know, where like, because uh, uh, Avia Rod was, was uh, advising on all of those mm-hmm. too. And it, mm-hmm. but at some point, I think they're all realizing like they lose as and when they try to imitate what um, MCU is doing, like with Disney, they fall short. So they're all kind of every studio seems to be taking its own, you know, putting its own thumbprint on it. Like here's yeah. the Warner Brothers, you know, take on the Justice League and Fox's take on the X Men, and Sony just gave up and sold Spider Man back to Marvel. I guess <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Well, that's also they share it. My yeah. <laughs> other absolute favorite movie in the last two years, Kingsman, also 20th Century Fox. Like they. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. They seem to know. I don't know who's running it. I don't know who's changed hands in, in the years, you know, in the last two or three years. But it's, I, I'm impressed with that creative team. Well, so back to the time and the uh, the movies that it reminds us of, because I felt that same thing of like one of the weird the in any movie that is like two hours long, I inevitably check my watch. Mm. And I am almost always do that when the film has been going for 90 minutes. It's like involuntary. I'll just look down. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been 90 minutes. Of course, that's why I wondered what time it is. Mm -hmm. But in Logan, I was checking my watch like less than an hour into it, Mm. which was very weird. And um, so what I did. Bored or like what was the. Yeah. Yeah. There were two. There were at least two big, huge stretches where I was just bored. And one thing that I noticed about that was that. like, I, you know, kind of in my head, I was like, hey, just chill out, man. It's not an action superhero <laughs> movie. It is like a Western, whatever. But um, it just lacked some kind of tension for me that where like Fury Road, you know, just ratchets the tension up through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and a week at the weekend before I'd actually seen Get Out, which is this oh, super God. slow yeah. burner of like ratcheting up the tension until it all releases at the end. and um, and I just kind of, you know, it's hard to say like, oh, I wish they'd done that and compare it to some other movie. But I, I definitely felt like my boredom pulled me out of the experience a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was kind of like, you know, I, that's why I'm feel like I didn't really live up to the hype because hmm. uh, of those stretches. But I also wonder if that happened too, because there's a huge fight scene that is like super dramatic that happens where we see all of X-23's powers and skills yeah really early on mm-hmm. and i really wonder if that should have been more mysterious you know like when we hear the sound uh, spoilers of course <laughs> and we hear the sound of a fight and then she walks out holding something that we don't necessarily like quickly realize is a man's head and then she yeah. rolls it out like if that had just stopped there and the scene had gone somewhere else and it hadn't turned into a big visual battle. I wonder how much spookier that would have been mm. to just see that cranking up for another two hours. That's a rather good point. Than, yeah. That, I, that's just kind of how I was putting it together in the theater. Cause it was after that, that I noticed I was bored and I was like, well, yeah, I just saw like a huge fight scene. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just now they're just coughing in a car for another 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> well, and the story was so simple. I mean, it's very Mad Max Fury Road in that respect. Like, Mad Max, yeah. the, the plot of Mad Max Fury Road is they go here, they go back. That's literally right. it. And yeah. he felt like Hero's like, hey, we got to go from here to here. Like, that's all he's got to do. And then whoever lives is, or dies along the way is what it is. Yeah. I think, too, like, with this kind of movie, I mean, with Get Out, it's a unique sort of IP. And, you know, oh, yeah. you, you're not sure what is happening. But I think even the most casual of movie goers, at least in this first couple of days, you know who X-23 is. Mm-hmm. And you understand what her powers are. And, you know, she's the she's She's the two knife hand, not the three knife hand. So I, I think it would have been harder to, I mean, it, for anyone who didn't know who she was, it would have been like, whoa, what the hell? Like, why is this little girl, you know, why did she cut it? How did she cut that guy's head off? But for everyone else, it would have been like, oh yeah, because of the claws. We get, we mm-hmm. get it. Like, it, you know, I would have been like, why isn't, why aren't they showing her more? I think yeah. they showed her enough in, because she is such a recognizable X-Men character at this point. Um, yeah. I get it. I don't think I was bored ever. Um, I was just, for me, the tension was that I knew he was not doing good. So yeah. I knew that he was sick. And I mean, because he's not supposed to age, like that's his whole thing. And so for yeah. him to look automatically quite old and just like gross and like downtrodden that I was like, something bad is happening with him. And, and Xavier too, of, of that was the tension for me of something really bad is going to happen to both or either. And (laughs) I was just waiting. I, I, I just had, you know, I I was just waiting for the bad, the the other shoe to drop of like, both of them are probably going to die. And Mm. I was just waiting for it. So that was my tension. That's a good point. And so that, that, um, uh, (laughs) I just, I lost my train of thought there, but I wondered how much you knew, like, um, uh, do you know in your research or anything, Emily, like, Uh um, the wound that Logan has suffered, which in this weird way, like later on when they talked about the adamantium bullet, Mm -hmm. he says something like, it's something like that that's killing me now or whatever. Do you know, was it a specific, is that like canon, some injury that he has? Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, but I just know, I mean, I just took it to mean that, you know, adamantium is a a metallic source from elsewhere and it's not supposed to be put into a human body, even a mutant body. And so it's just sort of like when sometimes this happens in like, you know, just normal medical stuff of you have like a pin in your knee. If something happens with that metal, sometimes it can make you sick. Um, just like lead poisoning, anything like that. And so I feel like uh, for me, I interpreted it as that the adamantium, I mean, he's 200 years old, basically. Right. He was born in like the 1800s. So he's obviously, his powers are, his mutation is becoming uh, less and less because of the adamantium sickness that you know that like the kind of the adamantium is sort of breaking down in his body because we could see that the in one part one claw can't come out fully Mm -hmm. and so that it's just kind of like you know it's just not it's just not meant to be if he had just been bone claws logan maybe he would just live forever or live a lot longer but i think it was just the adamantium sickness um that was kind of that was finally affecting him. Um, do you think um do you think Laura 
had any clue about that like do you think she took away anything about her own existence now like hey this is how Ooh. this is how i should live or this is what i should look out for like i mean or do you think they was she around him enough to gleam anything like that from him yeah i mean i, I hope so and it's kind of like we come into her story at a really cool point i think of that she's already crossed that line of murdering people because uh, so <laughs> many you know like so many of these stories are like you know you know like batman kind of it's like don't don't be like me kid you know like um don't don't go and murder people because there's no coming back from that and she already murders a bunch of people and is already bad as look good so i think she really um for me at the end when he whispers to her don't be what they made you yeah yeah you know or don't be what they want you to be was so because and i i tweeted about this a little bit more extensively but um that you know, his mutation didn't make him violent. It was the world around him. And then, you know, the experiments that happened to him that made him so violent Mm -hmm. and that he wants her to know that just because he was that way doesn't mean that she has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think it was really important and I, and I hope, um, you know, she, there's, it's a little bit different in the comics because she's older, Mm -hmm. but you know, I hope that, if they see, if we see her again in sort of like a new mutants kind of movie, which I would really love to see um, that she takes his advice to heart, like that she doesn't have to be a killer. She doesn't have to be on the run her whole life that she could have a normal life if she chose to, um, because he didn't, he, uh, he just it wasn't going to work out for him. He was too far gone. That is such an interesting observation, especially in light of the fact that Charles tells Logan at one, like when they're staying over at, at, uh, at some people's house, he tells him like, you, this is normal life. You should take a moment and enjoy it. And yeah. it's interesting that like, she was not in that scene. That's kind of a missed opportunity. Like it would have been great if you had seen the other generation there of like, but would you have really wanted like Logan to look back at her, like her standing in the doorway and smile. And it's like, there, that could have, there could have been a lot of, there were a lot of opportunities that they, I'm so glad they didn't take to just have this be schmaltzy. And it just, well, yeah, they kept it pretty, pretty on the nose and pretty like hardcore. And like, even to the extent that like, yeah, she when again, spoilers like crazy. When Logan dies, when he's actually dying, she's crying. But, and I, I really had to pause and think to myself, like, is this, is her crying earned? Is she actually sad that he's dead? And I would say, yeah, I mean, they've known each other a week, but the circumstances of their knowing each other has been pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think like, she finally knows there's somebody like her in the world who's, you know, he never was like, he never did that stupid movie cliche where he's like, this is my daughter now and I love you. Yeah. And oh, I'm, we've had this great time together. It was just like the moment we have or the moments we have and I'll tr- we'll try to relate as best we can. And I think just that fleeting glimpse of it is what she's most, you know, like the opportunities that she could have had with him, I think is what she's really crying for. So yeah. I just like, I like that there are moments in there that are heartwarming and especially, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but especially how they uh, send out Charles, like just Patrick Stewart's, yeah. Patrick Stewart's monologue in the farmhouse was beautiful. Yeah. And I would much rather that and not like the cliche, like, you know, I mean, we got the hand holding thing, but that was, again, that felt earned too. Like they're at Charles's grave. So it's like, yeah, she's comforting him. There wasn't like yeah. that weird, why is all of a sudden she's, she, you know, why is she nice? <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like too, um, yeah, it's like, you know, what could have been is what she's kind of crying about. And yeah. I think too, it's just, she was obviously, and they tried, I love 
first off, I loved that they incorporated the comic books in the story. I always love when they do that, when they they make it real, you know? And so I think really what it was for me, this is how I, I took it, of that she was realizing that as much as he was like, this isn't real. None of this barely, ha- you know, this barely happened or they just, they were lying to you about it. She mm-hmm. is realizing that the Logan and the Wolverine she loved in the comics and that she had always heard about was real and that he was a hero and that I'm going to cry a little bit, but sorry, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that, that, that the way he was, was really the way that he was. Of yeah. that he was just as every bit of an asshole, but yeah. just as every bit as a hero of that. Mm-hmm. He was dying and still he killed himself essentially to save her and to save all those kids, even though yeah. he didn't really know them. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's what I took it as is that she was realizing like that this guy who I barely knew, who is essentially my dad, whatever he, she's his clone of that he was every bit the hero that the comics always made him out to be. And it was such yeah. a beautiful moment in well, the, in the theater to witness in the theater too. I'm like sitting there crying. <laughs> it, that was, that was a really, that's all. Yeah. That is such a good observation. And uh, just what Taylor said too, like that moment was definitely like earned. Yeah. And it played out like at just the right pace. You know, it wasn't like, uh, an action movie or, you know, it's like a typical superhero movie where, you, you know, there might be some schmalty effect there. And then there's a big funeral or whatever for, you know, Peggy Carter or somebody that would died off screen, <laughs> yeah. just to name a random example. But, yeah. um, uh, the, I, you know, and the, the part, and then I brought up that thing about like, what if she had been in the room when Charles had said that to Logan about uh, living life. But I think she did get that same lesson when they were in the hotel and yeah. she's watching, I think it's Shane that she watches the, the Western with Charles Mm-hmm. And then that's what she's quoting at the end. Yeah. At Logan's, uh, you know, burial place. I believe, I believe that's that, you know, she's just quoting that some monologue from Shane, which was like in its own way, kind of wraps up the whole Logan story too. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was very cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, can we, can we talk about Charles's death now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I knew it was coming. Right. Because I just, I, I had read the article about Patrick Stewart. It's like, no, I think I'm done too. You know, this was such a beautiful send out. I can't imagine. So I'm like, okay, so he probably dies, right? And he looked very old in the trailers. I'm like, mm-hmm. Xavier is ready to be done. So yeah. I think for me, I was a little bit overly emotional than a lot of people because um, I've had two grandparents who have had dementia. And so his sort of mannerisms were very reminiscent of that for me. And so it was just, you know, just like even more emotional. And so, yeah, the beautiful monologue in the farmhouse was so nice and just so Patrick Stewart of like, if he, uh, he's going to get nominated for sure for some, because he was just so great throughout the whole thing. And then when it's obviously not the real Logan, it's robot Logan or whatever. And the look on Charles's face was just heart, heart crushing and then even more so was when logan runs up the stairs to get him and he's sorry he's whispering to charles like it wasn't me it wasn't me like mm-hmm. even in charles's degenerative degenerative state he he needs him to know that he would never hurt him yeah yeah and that it it wasn't you know that he that charles didn't do anything wrong and it was just so beautiful and just still so, like I said, like 
my grandparent, you know, my grandfather would get really confused, but he would still know who you were. And I just can't even imagine of in your final moments thinking that this man that you've spent so much time with would hurt you was really, really heartbreaking. I just felt so, Oh God, it was just like hard. I'm like, obviously I'm a little emotional, but that whole scene though, where it's uh, the, so X 24, it looked like he put his claws through Laura to carry her out of the house. Mm. I was not totally sure on that. If well, oh yeah, yeah. The later they revealed she's in the like the handcuff. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. I knew I knew they'd cleared that up somewhere. Yeah, but, but she's she carrying her out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but just that. I, I mean, it's so funny because it's almost like a, a cliche in comic books and movies where there's a character like literally trapped between running in one of two directions <laughs> and. But I mean, never have I felt like that is like you, you have waited the proper amount of time. Like I was stuck in the same confusion too of like, <laughs> who does he go after? Yeah. Like, does he go right after Laura or does he go for Charles? And he mm-hmm. goes for, he goes up to Charles, which was also such a good echo to me of when they stay in that farmhouse and he's going to go out, um, with Eric LaSalle's character to take care of the like water pump that's been mm-hmm. uh, sabotaged. He, he says, yeah, let me take care of my dad first. And there's like this, I mean, it's not long, but it's like enough of a tender sequence of him picking Charles up and carrying him up the stairs and getting him situated for bed. Emily, this is like choking me up too. Yeah, I know. He, I mean, just, th- just having that happen again in that emergency of like where someone has invaded this house and killed all these people and, attacked Charles and like Logan has to decide, do I run up the stairs to my friend Charles or do I go after this little girl that I I barely know? And God, that was, yeah, that was, that was a a really powerful moment. Um, Yeah. But I'm glad he, Oh, I'm glad he chose that though. I mean, again, there's so many moments where he could have gone the cliche other way that we've seen in movies many, many times. Like he would have run after her and then she and he would have gone back up to see Charles dead. But he's like, I mean, like it, every moment, every emotional kind of moment and and character moment were all earned. It all made logical sense. I just, as heartbreaking as it was, they set it up, they teed it up. It was exactly what they should have done. Um, it's exactly what Logan would have done in that moment. So they didn't betray anything that right. either you know, previous movies have showed us character-wise or that they have set up in this universe, which is just, now, it was so Right, nice and I think I, too, like it was just such a culmination of that you could tell, like he didn't really say it, but that Logan in this world has taken care of Charles since oh, yeah. the, the Westchester incident, we'll say, of that as much as, as much as he doesn't like it, as much as he's all curmudgeon-y, you know, about Charles, he has done, you know, everything up to that point, he has done it to protect Charles, of keeping him locked away in this, you know, oil drum or whatever it was, this lead-lined thing, so Charles couldn't hurt anyone else, including himself, that he... Dri- he he is a mutant, a 200-year-old mutant driving a fucking limousine so that he can earn money so that he and Charles can go live on the ocean together. I mean, I just, it was so beautiful Mm -hmm. of, and I think too, that's why I was kind of glad that they did the scene early with X 23 fighting of that. I think in Logan's Mm -hmm. mind, he knew she could take care of herself and Charles can. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, um, I like too when this movie started, like I was, I knew Charles was going to die. Like it would have been really weird had that not happened. Yeah. Um, And I just, from the trailers and everything I read, I'm like, man, if they have him die in like the escape 
from the farm, you know, like the escape from the uh, the hideout in the limo. Because like so many gun bullets were, you know, bullets were flying, and the car was getting jostled around. And I'm like, if he's not hit by a stray bullet, then when the you know when they were trying to beat the train, which was one of the most freaking harrowing things I've ever seen on film, um, <laughs> where the car's racing the train and racing the truck, and then he just mm-hmm. decides to take the limo across the track, and it gets you know the rear end gets whacked by the train. I'm like, well, surely he'll look back now, and Charles will be dead, and that'll be you know it'll be an easy out. But it seems to, like that's what we normally see. And the fact that you look back and he's still alive, I'm like, ooh. So they're going to save this for something really special. And goddamned if they didn't. Like, it's when we see Charles go, this was a great day. And then also at the same time, confront, oh, God. like the fact that he's like, I know something, I have a sense of what happened. He's like, I don't know exactly, but like, you know, it's been coming back to me. And he gives you a, a, a look at what, you know, where all the X Men are. Like, they're dead. It's because of him. And it's because of these tremors. And I love that connective tissue. And then that moment leads up into his death. And it just, the, it was so perfectly done. And it was so not the cliche movie thing that I was, it, just, it was really, as sad as it was, I was really appreciative of the, of the care yeah. they took for it. Yeah, now, it was beautiful. It really was. And I think too, sorry, just one more final point on this kind of circle of, of Logan. As much as this was a goodbye to Logan, it was also obviously a goodbye to Charles Xavier. And yeah. I think it was such a, uh, an interesting exploration of what happens when the thing that makes you strong, at least in terms of the X-Men, turns against you. Oh. Of like, obviously of like Charles's mutation is yeah. that he is a, te- he's a telepath. His mind is, is so strong. So what happens when that, when your mind breaks down uh, and same with Logan. If his his mutation is that he is a he, you know, he heals and the bone claws and stuff. But you know, what happens when your body starts to reject the thing that always you know gave you powers in the first place? Mm. It was so just heartbreaking because that's every human of like mm. when you are you know as you as you get older, if your body is still working but your mind is not, it's just such a you can't fight that. Just like mm-hmm. Logan couldn't fight his, he couldn't cure himself and neither could Charles. No matter the drugs, there was always the chance that it could slip up and he could, he could kill everyone <laughs> as yeah. he pr- assume presumably did in, in Westchester killing the X-Men. I was, uh, I mean, talk about emotional. Like I got, I got a little emotional when, after the, you know, when he uh, has the seizure at the casino and everybody's there and then they're wheeling him out and Charles is looking around at everybody. Oh my God. And he's, he's, like, sorry, I'm, sorry. he's like, I'm so sorry. Like Patrick Stewart's yeah. almost crying himself. And you're like, Oh, but that hit me a little bit too. I was like, Oh my God, Patrick Stewart is, he's putting it all out there. Like he, yeah. you know, yeah. just the fact that it's, it's, and, and it's the relationship with Logan and the fact that like he's playing this character. He, he's played now for 17 years too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. It's it, it's bringing to bear all his work as an actor, but given you know you can complain about the time, but I I really like the fact that James Mangold was like it's going to be as long as it's going to be. We're not yeah. going to like sit here and go it's ninety minutes. We got to have all these like puzzle pieces fit. We're like if we want to take an extra minute or two to have him walk Charles up the stairs, we're going to do that. Yeah. I and I would rather them take that time, and if if it's a little clunky or fine, than to short shortcut us out of good pivotal moments like that. Well, I think I mean I think. Honestly, that's part of what I didn't get out of the movie that I wanted, which was I would rather have them sacrifice some of that like action scenes or the fight scenes to have more of those touching scenes, like those yeah. real character scenes. So um, as uh, that whole farmhouse scene was like it was essential. I mean, the dinner with strangers where Charles and Logan are kind of talking in this sort of code about the school that they uh-huh. went to. Um, but they're, you know, you can tell that they're both 
uh, thinking, you know, thinking back to those moments and they're both really feeling it. Um, and there's a, you, Emily, you've brought up that, you know, how old Logan is a couple of times. And there's this funny moment where, uh, what's his name again, the Garrett Hedlund, that's not Garrett Hedlund character <laughs> says <laughs> when he first meets, uh, Charles, he says, Oh, the octogenarian. And he says, oh, no, no, generian actually. Yeah. And I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, how dare you pull age out in front, in front of Logan? I know. He's like so old. Twice your age. <laughs> like this guy was fighting in the Revolutionary War. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, Boyd I, Holbrook, just like, by the way. Boyd Holbrook is not oh, Hitland. Wait, his name is oh. Boy? Boyd. Boyd. Uh, I liked it better. Uh, he was really good, to be honest. He was, he was. really, uh, I, I, when I first saw him, I knew he wasn't him, but with the red sunglasses, and the, the Southern drawl. I was like, in another life, honey, you would have made a really good Remy LeBeau. Oh, Jesus. Oh, right? my God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, oh, it's I was like, one. man, what a missed opportunity. But, oh, oh, damn it. No, yeah. that would have been great. He, uh, you know, he he was a little cliche, but he played it so perfectly that I didn't mind. Like, it was it was exactly what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he had to be, he's just a mercenary kind of guy. I just, it's the... I wanted them to explore a little bit more his, like he mentioned, he's a fan. Like it would have been cool to see like a little more context to his history. Cause like, you know, they made these comic books. I love how they treat comic books. Like, Oh yeah. The X-Men and mutants were real. And then they just made these kind of crazy comic books to like talk mm-hmm. about, you know, to sort of enhance, uh, dramatize the stories. And, you know, Logan's like, Oh God, none of this is what happened, but whatever. Um, but I, I want it. It would have been cool to have one or two more moments where, Boyd's character uh, just you know, mentioned something because I wanted to see like why is he why is he so invested in finding Logan like what is he why did he sign up for this at all is he just a mercenary for hire and that's just what it is or is there something else something deeper um, yeah and I mean I say come, that yeah they oh, come from the comics they're there's like they're you know they're like a mercenary group in the comics so oh, I think okay. it's kind of more of like well they're like criminals more than mercenaries but they're like yeah they're like enhanced individuals who have little to no mutations like that's why i saw his like robot uh, hand yeah. um and i mean they just in the comics i i remember just very loosely of like that they just have this particular beef with wolverine of that they just really don't like him I, for some other reason i i i don't know why um just because i guess i yeah. i'm trying i'm like racking my brain to try to remember what their particular beef he probably screwed them at some point in his past or, or something like that who knows yeah so and i think because i think that was just kind of their way of like sneaking in a little bit of more of like the comic history mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. oh look the reavers because they don't even say the word reavers like until way later oh they so, do uh, yeah, yeah. yeah who said that it, it, later i i remember I think, when that I came up it was but... the doctor i think it was dr um rice said you know you and your reavers or something i first yeah, made the reavers right. for some re- you know to help with the mutant problem oh like, yeah you're right yeah yep. so and it wasn't because i'm like looking at him going i know you're important but i don't remember why um but yeah for even like for for sure taylor like for the casual viewer would be like who the f is this robot hand guy like why is he yeah. hating so much you Just know like, what's with the bit. What's with the hand? Like, was that because you got, like, you wanted to be Wolverine, you got in a fight, you got your ass kicked and your hand was cut off or something? Like, yeah, what was the- like, uh, that's what, like, the, the probably the easiest way would have would have been, but I don't know. I don't know. I like, keep in mind, I like, I like movies that let us sort of play through that in our own heads. Like, it's much more interesting yeah. to me to be like, well, this is what I think would have happened and have it be ambiguous and to be like, well, here's a shitty version of what you would have thought of. And it's like, well, I was just about to say that. And I think that works so much in superhero movies, especially where, like, the, 
the leaders of the pack are the are the Marvel universe where they're trying to get everything to fit into this universe and be like coherent. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually more interesting to me to have like a standalone kind of Logan movie where, you know, it, it's cool. Like there's a nod to the Reavers, but you didn't really need to know any of that history to, you know, know who the, who they were. It was just, I don't know. Cause that's how I, you know, how I went into Fury Road. Like um, I, I kind of just gave up on trying to make sense of it in the Mad Max universe. And I thought, mm-hmm. why does it even matter? I don't give a crap about Mad Max. Like just be a cool movie. That's yeah. <laughs> Can we um, talk about Logan's death? Because that, I think, more – Charles's death was exactly the right kind of time. I think it happened right when it needed to. I Once Charles died, and then before before the, the sort of the chase through the forest, I thought they were sort of teeing it up to the point where maybe Logan and Laura would come back to the farm since nobody lives there now. And, like, mm-hmm. would take – I mean, basically, like, echoing Charles's wish, like, you know, have a normal life, have a good life, and they'd move back there. So I was kind of at one point going, well, maybe – this isn't going to be Logan dies. Um, he's going to go on and just sort of be this kind of parent figure. Maybe the other kids show up somehow. But when they got to the tower, I, I'm like, oh, man, he's he's going to sacrifice himself for something here. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I knew it was happening. You know, it was going to happen. But the way, you know, he fighting the younger version of himself, that just the cyclical nature of it, like, and they tried. And I don't know, by the way, I don't know if anybody else thought was, did anybody else think when they first revealed X-24, the young Logan, that that might have been <laughs> Leah? at first it looked they, really much like him <laughs> yeah when they, before we saw the face like the head like the head i'm like is that is that saber too like it was like the same they? haircut and everything yeah i, got, yeah, I, I was kind of did that too and then i was like wait Liv shriver's like even older than <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. but i'm just like in my mind i'm like are they actually tying this accident like there's this panic oh my god no but when it was a younger him i was i was kind of like, i kind of laughed too because it was they're basically like here's what hugh jackman looked like more or less um, when he first started, you know, he was, you know, he didn't have any wrinkles and he roided out muscles or anything. He was more like this. So if, if anything, it's Hugh Jackman fighting the younger version of himself when he started. So there's like this cyclical nature of the, of the movie and the wrapping of the character was really cool. And so the only way for Logan to die is for him to basically conquer himself and die mm-hmm. in the process. And I liked the symmetry of that a lot. Yeah. Usually I hate that kind of stuff. I think it's really played out. But for this, I think it was more like he was fighting against the nature that they made him. This like this ferocious, you know, growling, yelling Wolverine, you know, Mm -hmm. that that he had no sense of justice, no sense of selflessness when they first, you know, created him as Mm -hmm. X, whatever, 22 X, X project, whatever of, and I think it was more that he not just, you know, not at the base of like, I have to like defeat myself. Like it was more like he had to defeat the, <laughs> that's my Logan voice. That's my Logan <laughs> Batman voice. Um, <laughs> it was more like he had to defeat this, this uh, person that he didn't know anymore of mm. that sense, you know, the, Ooh, since yeah. joining the, since joining the X-Men, he's no longer the Wolverine Wolverine. He became Logan and that it was yeah i really liked it and i, God, I thought it was kind of funny of like i'm like so good at this you you're, guys. you're summarizing this in such a like literate poetic way <laughs> <laughs> where i took away i mean i love i love that uh I- i'm now going to think of it that way because i took it a- away of like God, why does the superhero always have to fight the villain that has their same powers? Yeah, of like, I, I yeah. Thought, like Bizarro Superman is like my lead. I hate those. Like, I think they're so stupid. And so I'm glad they did it in this way. And I think it was more like a, a bigger plot point of like, they have moved from trying to kill 
mutants to trying to control mutants to just making mutants and then yeah. making people who, you know, creatures who are mutant like, but not human. So I think it was just a bigger reveal of like the evolution of these diabolical bastards yeah. who keep trying to like, you know, make, make the perfect super killer people and that there's just, there's no replacement for the real thing in the end. Yeah. It was also kind of a scarier. I thought that, um, that this group, you know, was, I, it, there was just sort of a, uh, an unknown, um, origin to them the reavers i mean and like uh mm-hmm. doc, dr what's his name um uh where they uh where um oh shit i'm i'm forgetting the name of the the colonel that uh, you know experiments on oh a striker striker like where it was obviously like a a weapons program and this one was much more nefarious like mm-hmm. oh this is like a kind of under the table weapon like this is like a private weapons firm that is somehow dealing with the government but yeah not exactly it was it was a little bit like it was much scarier and, and more yeah like dystopian, and I, you know i think it was much scarier. like so they they touched on it a little bit and that's what's kind of funny if like they described the reaver guy his i think his name was pierce donald yeah, pierce. pierce if that's what his name is in the comics i think that's because he says my friend donald here um they really didn't go into his backstory but they did touch on dr rice's if that dr rice's father is the one who created the weapon x program so he essentially worked with right. striker to create to create the wolverine so and that's really interesting uh just in itself but then they they touch on it really really uh quickly in the movie and it was kind of i had to think about it later of that the doctor described how because they talked about you know no mutant children have been born in 25 years of that if you play mass effect you know of the genophage that they inflicted that the salarians inflicted on the krogans which essentially they put <laughs> sorry <laughs> now we're down a hole i was taking it seriously until todd laughed and now all of a sudden i'm like wait a second is this a rick and morty episode no <laughs> now we're down a whole whole other rabbit hole but i'll sum up for those of you who haven't played mass effect but Mine. that they basically <laughs> create this biological weapon and disperse it throughout the air of this planet to lower the birth rate of these people because they were populating too quickly and like going to spread across the universe and kill everyone because they're incredibly violent. So Dr. Rice talked about that, that that's what they did is that they first, they just tried to kill all the mutants wars and stuff. And then they were like, well, let's just get really tricky about it and start putting stuff in just the general public's air and water and food of Mm -hmm. that. They basically eliminated the mutant gene yeah. By poisoning the population, essentially, or or I like don't think, uh, I don't think the they spent enough time. I wanted that to breathe a little more because it ha- he said it so fast, and it was only yeah. like later on after I drove home, I'm like, oh, that's right. Like that yeah. almost felt like it needed a little bit more. Like Logan should have reacted. There should have been just another back and forth to really reinforce yeah. that. Yeah, because um, it was just like this biological genocide, essentially. Yeah. Like it wasn't like it was just you know death camps and bodies everywhere. It was yeah. that they just eliminated mutants altogether, and that's so horrifying. Yeah. And I, especially for someone like Charles, who has, was an educator of young mutants. Yeah. Uh, that, that I just, you know, it was just like, oh, it was, it was so creepy. And he just said it so fucking casually that it was just like, oh God, this well, guy. What's cool well, about that, even, oh, real quick, what's cool about that is if you, t- if you want to take this movie in, con- you shouldn't, but if you want to take this in continuity with all, you know, with the last, like Days of Future Past or um, Apocalypse or that kind of stuff, like Days of Future Past, especially the whole idea is, Hey, these these droids, these you know these android 
you know, uh, um, sentinels are coming to kill them all. And like there's this, you know, in the, in the dystopian world of that movie, it's all these robots that go amok and start killing humans and mutants alike. And it's a really grisly, like, you know, it destroys a lot of the world and everything. And here he is, it's, it's way more sinister. You know, in fact, mm-hmm. it, I, I, I was almost looking for like a little wordplay where Logan's like, that's such a sinister thing, mister. Or, you know, something like where he, you know, he just, like, <laughs> just something. I mean, it would have been ridiculous, but just because in my mind, I'm like, God, that's, you're so right. It, it, it just happened over the course of time. There was no must, you know, no fuss, just the world goes on and you guys are gone. It's just like, I, I don't understand. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to rhyme. I, I don't understand why this, I, I just, it needed more. I, yeah. I like this. I, I like how it fits in because it really is like the final, like if you're going to take this as like the final X-Men movie in some ways, that happening really is kind of the ultimate insult, you know? And it's like, yeah, there's mutant yeah. kids to move on, but it's like, and, and, and in the death, you know, in, in the, in the kernel of that death, this new life can emerge, but at the same time, it is very, you know, you know, final. Well, it's almost like they won. Like yeah. in all the yeah. other X-Men movies, it's some, a version of genocide against the mutant population. And then here we're getting a movie where it's happened and we didn't even see the struggle, you know, but even before he gave that speech, when I guess when uh, the woman like is her name, Gabriella, I believe gets the, Mm -hmm. well, she says something about no, I don't know. Somebody said, Charles says something about no new mutants have been born in a while or whatever. Um, Talking about other films that this reminded us of. I thought of children of men where no human Mm -hmm. baby has been born and you know, 15 wow. years or something and it's i agree with you like if they could have let that i uh, again i would have been fine if they had t- subtracted some of the like action fight sequences and put more moments like that in where they explore that you know the poignancy of those those moments because that was really dark yeah mm-hmm. super dark okay so but let's go continue with dark and talk about logan's death yeah yeah yeah, yeah we, should, <laughs> we should we should wrap it up on that i actually i mean my, my whole takeaway on the movie was i actually expected it to be darker and grittier mm-hmm. and so it's a very weird disappointment to me because there have certainly been a lot of movies where i'm like god that was just too dark but this one i was like man i almost wish it had been like darker <laughs> how? how what would you have done to make it grittier like i don't i see... just I, I mean i i'm like a broken record at this point but i would have taken out a couple of those fight sequences and just ratcheted up the tension where huh, they just okay. talk more about the what's going on in the world. Like, oh, I, I, see. I don't know that like I needed the full details on the Westchester incident that keeps getting brought up, but it would, you know, like Emily pointed out, it is such a, there's such a t- awful thing there of like the mutant powers that they have that made them special are now killing them and their fellow mutants. You know, Caliban is now a tracker of mutants that's been, you know, alluded to and and like, like that he used to work for the Reavers or something. And and you're like, God, what was that about? You know, and I didn't want want flashbacks or anything, but they could, they could have dug into that a little bit more. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Can we do some uh, stray observations uh, as we start to wrap up here? Cause there's a lot of little, Hanging chads that I found interesting or funny or, or obnoxious. Um, I think uh, I think first let's uh, let's do some broad strokes first. Violence. I think the thing that I really locked in on right away was this is a this is the most violent film in, in the entire X Men world that I've ever seen, um, and probably of the top five violent most violent movies I've ever seen ever. Um, is that was it too much? Was it not enough? What did you guys think? I felt appropriate to me. I mean, they're fighting for their lives um, and the lives of others. So I, I didn't think it was like 
too violent. And I think, but for me, it was like, and I, Logan says it actually in the movie. He goes like, these comic books are nonsense. Like people die, like there's blood mm. and stuff. And so, and I thought that was so funny because in the other, I mean, he does kill people in the other X-Men movies, but mm. they're never, they were never as like gnarly violent as no. they were in this one. And I just, for me, I have never shied away from violence, which is probably, I mean, I kind of, there was a few parts where I kind of had to look away, like where he puts the claws through someone's face and stuff. It was yeah, not, you know, yeah. not super beautiful. Um, but I, I just, for me, I, I, it just felt, I don't think it was too much. I don't think they showed too much. It's not like they showed anyone like disemboweled or anything. Um, I, I, I think it was okay. I don't think it was too much. I actually, um, I uh, generally do shy away from violence and turn my head a lot uh, in movies that are gory and violent, but that I didn't in Logan. Mm. And not that I wanted there to be more for sure, Mm. but I actually have more of a problem with the other X-Men movies where he'll, you know, Wolverine would go into a room and like you'd hear all this slashing and then a minute later there's just bodies on the ground and I'm going... (laughs) You know how he killed them, right? Like, like he, he fucking killed them. Yeah. Like, this is not, he's not Batman who's like, I refuse to kill. Well, except in these ones, except in this new one, but whatever. Right. Logan is an awful, awful person. Like, and yeah. so I felt like they finally actually did him justice in that mm-hmm. sense of like, yeah, now you're going to show like the actual consequences of it, you know, and show like the blood dripping off of X-23's blades too. Like this little yeah. girl straight up decapitated a dude, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And and was like so calm about it. Like that, I mean, yeah. And I just like, you kind of have to take Logan's history as in context here of like, yeah, he fought in like every war since the Revolutionary War, including Vietnam, which is one of just the most... D- disgusting and world war one he fought in world war two just the most like inhumane kind of gross things happen so he it's not like this is normal like this is probably the least bad shit that he's ever done to a human being you know like putting giving them a clean death of putting skulls right through your brain that that's easy you know like he's done a lot worse stuff I he, like even this. Fought, he even fought Will I Am. Was <laughs> <laughs> that Will I? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yes. I forgot. I forgot if that was him or the coach of the Steelers. I never. <laughs> we um. I I. It's I was, funny because I, after I last said year, Clef, Sean. <laughs> after after last year after Deadpool, I there was a lot of complaints from parents going, "I brought my eight year old to this. What the hell?" So it's funny. Like all the theaters, and I read this and I saw it going in. There were signs clearly going, "Everybody, this is rated R. There is." Very gratuitous violence. Please, parents, know this. Do not bring your child here and complain. And fortunately, last night, I went to, I went to the 7 o'clock one, and there were no kids under the age of maybe 14 in sight, um, okay. which was good because I'm like thinking – but I know there's some idiot parent somewhere who's going to bring their 8- or 10-year-old to this movie, and I just can't – like I'm, I – I wonder if, and this is a whole other discussion for another day, but I wonder if like we need to have a, a conversation as a people about like, hey, not all superhero <laughs> movies are this. It can be, there's a wide range and it can be, you know, pay attention before you bring your kid. Um, what about flashbacks? I know we talked about a few times, like I, they were, uh, James Mangold has said a few times that um, uh, we were in the early versions of the script, they were, you know, there were flashbacks. We were going to see the Westchester incident. We were going to see other stuff. Um, and they said, we'd rather not, We'd rather take the time used for information dumps and focus on character. Does was that the right choice? Yes. 
Yeah, I have, I love expository sort of flashbacks rather than like visual. And I think it made it more like where you're sitting there going like, well, what the hell happened? Yeah. Like you kind of get a sense of like, oh God, a lot of people died. And you, you know, you know, as an X-Men fan, like Westchester, that's where the school was, you know, oh, oh God. Um, but no, I, I think it would have taken out of the story if we'd like gone back. And I think it's like, you know, it's X-Men. We're yeah. already in a weird freaking time continuum thing already just with the other movies. Like we don't need to, we don't need to confuse anyone. Well, yeah. one thing that makes uh, um, movies like this, and maybe that's not, maybe I shouldn't even say like this, but just movies in general. One thing that makes them really creepy is when there isn't a um, anchor like that, especially like when there's just silence. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor and I've talked before, uh, praised before uh, the American with George Clooney, which I, I think is so genius in that it's like just dead silent for like half mm-hmm. the movie. And um, you know, Mad Max Fury road, there's not a lot of dialogue in that. And they got around it a little bit by having X 23, not talk for most of the movie. Like that was a kind of mm-hmm. creepy element. So I definitely wouldn't have wanted some flashback to like, whatever the Westchester incident. Well, you know, it's like just creepier that they planted it in our imagination. Like something yeah. happened terrible. Um, yeah. I didn't want to see any of that. I didn't. And the other important thing is I didn't want it to tie in to anybody in a costume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they did a good job too, of like showing some stuff. Like I, in one part in Logan's, the the weird desert house that they live in, I guess that they you see a katana mounted on the yeah, floor. a little rusted. That was yeah, great. so you see like some of the illusion, and of course they like talk about the school. But yeah, I'm glad they didn't do any flashbacks. I think it would have been really weird in the. What did you uh, What did you guys think of the uh, sort of the unsung heroes, the the sort of the sec- the supporting cast, if you will? Like I was surprised. I knew going in he was in there, but I was shocked nonetheless to see Stephen Merchant of all people I, in a I really. Didn't know he, oh my god! I didn't know he well, was I, in it. I, that was so. I had no idea uh, until he like, opened his mouth. I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, this is super oh my god. And and for him not to be like, you know, I we've used to, we're used to seeing him with Ricky Gervais or in Hello Ladies, and so here he is yeah. doing like, I mean, even though he's saying Logan a lot, he's doing good dramatic work. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, on you, man!" Like that's, I'm I'm I was really impressed that he was in this and got pretty. I mean, that was a pretty substantial role. It wasn't like he was in yeah. and they killed him like after five minutes. Like he was in it for a good chunk and had a, a good bearing on the story. He had a great interplay with Logan in that one scene of like, I'm here every day doing this work, you know, yeah, like yeah. washing the blood. Out. And then he has such a good like kiss off line. <laughs> that was yeah. so, so good. Great. Yeah. Oh my, my God. My other favorite line of his is when he's arguing with Logan. Yeah. But like, I'm here every day. Like you can't even read the prescription. This isn't even his right pills. This is ibuprofen. And so Logan hits the mug out of his hand. He's just, that's my favorite mug. Yeah, yeah. Like he just yeah. not even fish. That was my favorite. <laughs> and he yeah. did, but he underplayed it. He didn't like do his like you know crazy British like oh that was my favorite. Right. You know it was yeah. it was very was even tone. <laughs> um, Richard E. Grant. Like I, I think they had cast him. I think everybody originally when they cast him thought he was going to be Mister Sinister. Um, and then that fortunately, thank God, it didn't turn out to be the case. But like, it, did that? I mean, that he really it was it was a pretty standard role. But I I really like him in it. I think that was exactly the right. I, just, I mean. I, I just think you can put Richard E. Grant in any, uh, I don't know if I'm using this word correctly, but that stentorian sort of, uh, Mm. (laughs) and the elderly, like the older gentleman that has some Mm -hmm. sort of knowledge, whether it's for good or evil, like I'll just watch him do that. Yeah. Yeah. Even in Game of Thrones where he's just one of the players in the, like a troop of mummers that Arya sees. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
Like even just him appearing, I'm like, treat it more seriously. You know, like yeah. this is this is obviously important. They cast Richard E. Fucking Grant in it. <laughs> yeah, he was good. He was good in the role, just like as this doctor, this sinister yeah. doctor, where he was like so casual that he basically eliminated it. Yes, people. And so, but I also just really loved that. You know, there's so many comic book movies where the the villain's death is very spectacular like yes! in, in x-men yes. 2 where like striker oh, chained to the thing and then the water's coming he's obviously dying so but that logan just shoots him right in the face <laughs> like in the middle so and it's like the, the camera the camera's like already moving to the next victim yeah. before you even see the body like react. yeah oh, it, my was God. Just, it was so funny because that's like one of the things too like from deadpool of like where yeah. colossus is standing there giving this big speech and then Deadpool just shoots Ajax and so it's just so funny of like don't treat bad guys with the same respect as you would Logan and Charles just kill him he's a a fucking asshole just kill him well, and even like um, um, Boyd's character, I forget the character's name every time. Um, Donald, uh, Donald, 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 Pierce. Like, Donald Pierce. Donald's reaction was basically the audience reaction was like, holy shit. Like he just like, he yeah. tore out of there as fast as he can. Like get what? Oh my God. Oh, um, his death though was, is, was good. Like yeah. his, that he, <laughs> like, I just said no spectacular, but I just really love, uh, I just love, really love when bad guys get what's coming to them. And especially like when you mess with children, like that's never, you, you deserve to have something very bad happen to you. And I just like that. It was like, you know, I I keep calling them the new mutants. That's not what the new, they're they're not exactly the new mutants. I just like to refer them as that. Like you, you, they were not going to let him get away with what had been done to them. And yeah. I like that they all kind of like work together. Like, let's torture and kill this guy together, everyone. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> um, and then as far as other actors go, like the one who I did not anticipate at all, freaking Soul Glow himself, Eric LaSalle. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. In, he was uh, on I, ER for like yeah, 10 I, years. Come yeah, on. I know. That's what I like. For It took me five minutes to go, oh, my God, how do I know him? And they go, oh, my God. I'm like sitting there going, oh, my God, ER, of course. Soul <laughs> oh. Glow. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw his name in the opening credits and and I, I was so I had that weird moment of like, well, there's he's gonna do something significant. Like you don't just yeah. he's not gonna be like just you know, like when they when he first shows up like uh in the traffic accident, and I was like, Well, obviously <laughs> the story is gonna go somewhere yeah. else because you don't put Eric LaSalle just as like the you know, the guy that wrecks his truck in the middle yeah. of the film. <laughs> So yeah, he was great, man. That whole and that whole like little bonding scene between the two of them was amazing. Yeah. I hated that the cliche came true of like obviously you don't, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a horror movie, you don't stay at someone else's house because they are yeah, all going they're gonna to be die. totally murdered. Yeah. So I was <laughs> I very did, bummed uh, out that. You know what I did like though, and this is really odd to say, I like that like the farming ranching family was African American. Like that is something you never see. You never see like, oh, my kids like my kid team ropes and does horse uh you know uh competitive rodeo and he's a little black kid. And I was just like, that's like yeah. and that, they didn't make a big deal about it, but just if you were I grew up on a ranch and in Western culture. So just to have a you know a family of color represent that was like, so yeah. just, I was like, wow, that's well done. Well done. No, I agree. Absolutely. I, I, and I love, of course, that the bad guy in that mini, like the mini arc was like a racist, like yeah. 
Corporate oh, yeah. like Monsanto kind of guy. I hate yeah. it. I hate it. So, but one of the, we didn't talk about it, but we talked really briefly about the car accident that they were in. And so, um, sorry to out my fiance, but he is very woke and very, you know, a, very, a, you know, a good, a good guy. But he, uh, he said one of the parts that he cried in, or at least teared up in is the part where the horses are loose and Charles oh, can focus his power to calm the horses down. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was so pretty. It was just so good. I also like yeah. the horse, the horse western motif throughout the whole thing of where she yep. is riding on the horse in that little like, yeah. weird Mexican convenience store, and then wears a unicorn t-shirt, and then is super into the horses when they see them and stuff. And yeah. I just thought that was really funny too. Yep, and she's um, always riding the backs of the men that she's stabbing repeatedly. In yeah. the neck. <laughs> um, she. I also I also loved the um, that scene was great too, and and it was one of those like really subtle nods to the fact that this is a movie taking place in the near future where we have the driverless trucks yeah. flying down the oh, highway. Yeah, and that yeah. Weird moment of like, yeah, we all felt that like kind of uh concern for the animals that, yeah. that break loose, like in that that little traffic accident. And it especially because they're dealing with like automatons, you know, it's just these robots that are flying down the highway and these horses are, you know, on the loose and it's not a bunch of human drivers that are going to stop and help. It's that was just such a cool, like weird, little dystopian future thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last thing I, I really kind of I just, it set with me and it kind of, again, it's a little bit of a connective tissue to older X-Men movies, but when she lists her, her mutant friends, I know there's at least two or three times in previous X-Men where uh, Wolverine does. I know in days of future past, he does it. He lists storm, Jean, Scott, like he goes through it very much in that same purposeful way. Like we got to do this thing for them. Like this is for them. And just yeah. I, and they didn't they didn't acknowledge that in Logan, but just if if you have seen other Wolverine movies, it just hit me pretty fast. I'm like, oh, she's his daughter. Like she cares about her friends just like he did. And it's very you know that just little things like that really I think tie that relationship together for me. And it was so powerful because we had that was her big speaking scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that, that was such a great reveal that she could talk. I love yeah, that so it much. It was so funny. I love when that she, she just, just says Demata. <laughs> Yeah, because of course, of course she would yell at him in Spanish. You know? Of course, yeah. It just was really cute. But yeah, I'm just not as, oh, and he, like, I love that he's all mad because that's like one of my favorite parts in movies where the characters realize that they speak English or like that they speak <laughs> actually. And so that you just, because it's kind of like you get in that person's mind of like, she has understood everything that he has said and she just chose like not to talk to him. <laughs> like she just chose to be a mute, I guess. Totally. Well, I think that about wraps it up, isn't it? Yeah. Anybody got any other any other thoughts that we should address? We did, I think we did a good job of covering everything. We got to talk we, about Logan's death. Okay. Oh, oh, more? Yeah. Well, I we I thought I thought you were saying we kind of covered the. Uh, no, I want to. What would wanna... you like to say about it? Okay, sorry. sorry I, should, I just I cut you off earlier. I know. So I I then we talked about like ten other things. So um, my okay, it was obviously really sad, and but I you know we all kind of understood that it was coming. He he was not healing. A lot of stuff was going on. He was going to die. So, but my like heart, two heartbreak moments during these scenes was, so the young mutants, the new mutants are burying him and you look over and the little black kid has a Wolverine doll that he's holding. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, like I wasn't. I wasn't going to cry. And then they cut to that kid and I saw him holding like the classic blue or yellow and blue suit Wolverine. I was like, Oh my God. It's like, because basically it's like if Superman were real and you were 
witnessing his death, you'd have like all your Superman, you'd have your Superman t-shirt on and everything. Like, it was just mm-hmm. so, oh my God, it like hit me so hard. Cause I'm looking at that doll. Like, I feel like I had the same one, like growing up, like it was just such a, a funny, like not meant to be funny. It was just so touching. Like that. It's like they, these poor kids literally had to witness their hero dying like that was so and then when she of course turns the cross into an x oh that was so beautiful because it was like throughout the other cinematic movies he's tried so hard like not to be an x-men and like tells everyone like i'm not an x-men like i don't i'm not a part of this like i'm you guys are good guys and i'm a bad guy and so for even in the end that she still sees him as an x-man it was just so so good I love, uh, yeah, that uh, that was a really weirdly touching moment for me, yeah. too. Um, and as- <laughs> especially because uh, I, just the cross on his grave, I was like, that is such a weird symbol to put there. Mm-hmm. The, cr- the cross in it, on it, you know, like just having a cross. Mm-hmm. And like I'm, I'm already thinking, like, what would the kids, you know, why would they do that? You know, would the kids have seen that somewhere? And is this like a, you know, that's just, they're just doing what they they think is right and then yeah when she turned it oh man and then they just walk away and i also like too that it was i don't know how far they actually made it over the border of canada yes but but i liked that logan's story ended where it began in the forests of canada yes oh it's so perfect i don't know if they really did that on purpose but it was just like such a real realization of like oh my god he's home like after all this time he's home it was so cyclical it had to be purposeful i yeah exactly i think i think just like you pointed out with having a younger wolverine Mm -hmm. cause the death of the older wolverine it was that same thing of like it's he's coming home yeah, I liked um, it too though, that they didn't have like when as the kids were like we didn't see this like other shot of like these like adults welcoming the kids into Canada like come here kids like it's just we're meant to think they, they'll figure it out or they won't like we don't that's not important here what's important is that this like this story of Logan is now done and like that's it like there wasn't I just I'm so impressed that they they resisted the urge every step of the way to do the cliche thing you know there's yeah. a yeah. There's a few kind of you know, lesser cliche things, but like there's every time they're like, oh my God, here's, here's this beat. They're going to do this thing. And then they're like, no, right here. We're done. I'm yeah. just like, that's it. In fact, it reminds me, if you go back and watch 310 to Yuma, the ending of um, Logan mirrors the ending to 310 to Yuma quite closely, actually very, very yeah. sort of similar. Like, Hey, the hero's work is done. And you know, spoilers in 310 to Yuma, Christian Bale dies. Um, and it's like, and it's, <laughs> damn it. it and if there's this, um, Todd, you've had you've had ten years now. Come on, yeah, come on, Todd. It's one of the greatest <laughs> of all time. But like, don't. It's not going to be any less. You you knowing that is not going to make it any lesser of an experience. Uh, um, but it's just like that sort of James Mangold really understands that Western aesthetic of like the hero's journey, and it's you know the it's we're not going to get you know we're not going to get super sentimental. It's very raw and very edgy, and now it's done, and now that's the story. Mm-hmm. I just I like that so much, and I think it was like doubly hard because there's just you know mo- general movie cliches and then there's always this comic book movie cliches that we've come yeah. to know too yeah. and yeah. they avoided almost all of them and yeah. i think that's kind of what has always set apart the x-men from other comic book characters is that mm-hmm. the x-men are born like that mm-hmm. like their mm-hmm. their powers manifest later or whatever um they're not bitten by radioactive spiders or super yeah. serumed or whatever and and so i think that was I, I said it before too of like that Logan's mutation did not make him violent. It was the world around him. I think it was just so beautiful too, that they showed that, that uh, even these manufactured mutants, 
like they they couldn't recreate that in a lab. They couldn't, mm-hmm. even though they had the same mutations and whatever, they could not recreate the same uh, motivations that mm-hmm. you usually see, you know, in these comic book movies of like, I have to save everyone. You know, they, they mm-hmm. couldn't, they couldn't do it. So it was just, man, this was such a good movie, you guys. Yeah. I, no, and you, totally. you've made me realize something else that we talk about over and over, which is that, that I liked about this was that it did not involve world ending stakes and like yes. giant yes. of power that's going to destroy the entire planet. Yeah. And, yeah. In fact, it kind of ends with like, well, yeah, they killed the doctor and the main reaver, but I mean, all that work can continue. They have, yeah. they have mm-hmm. Caliban, you know, the doctor was telling them to make sure to save some genetic tissue from him. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's what in movies that this reminded me of is because obviously the Marvel movies deal a lot with, you know, world ending galaxy ending problems. And this movie, along with probably one of, if not the best, my favorite comic book movie of all time, which is the dark Knight, Um, and that's the same thing of that. It's just the, the stake is low generally that it's just one man against himself and one man against a bad guy. And that's so beautiful. Like that's what made the dark Knight perfect for mm-hmm. me is that it wasn't like Galactus coming down trying yeah. to destroy the whole of Gotham or like a earthquake leveling everything. It was just like, here is Bruce Wayne struggling with his own self and struggling with this weird enemy of that. He has to make his own decisions. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what made Logan so great of that. It was it troubles me contained. Troubles me hearing that we have the Justice League to look forward to now. Like, <laughs> and Suicide uh, Squad 2. Christ almighty. Well, if Mel Gibson directs Suicide Squad 2, I'm on. I'm on board. I want to see what that looks if like. If Mel Gibson? What? what? Yeah, there, were, there was talk. So during the Oscars, there has, and then leading up to it, there has been talk that they're trying to woo Mel Gibson into directing Suicide Squad 2. And he's he's met with them, but there's no, you know, it's just early days. Uh, I mean... <laughs> isn't that a little too on the nose yeah exactly that's why i want to see it i'm like yeah. what is this gonna be let's, let's already <laughs> gonna make a franchise that's accused of insensitivity maybe don't put well, going back to <laughs> going back to logan they've already it, it's already done like i think 85 million dollars domestically uh opening weekend and i think like however much globally so this once again fox is showing you like you can do other things with the genre yeah you can do like be creative, find good talent. Like, come on, Warner Brothers, this isn't hard. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's. Yeah, you don't don't try to build a connected universe. Just tell stories with those characters. We already know the characters. Like that would be so cool. I would love to see a like a Justice League that doesn't have to tie into five different solo movies. That'd be oh, cool. completely. Well, on that note, should we wrap this up? Yeah, we we should. This is almost as long as the movie. And <laughs> no, this is only ninety less, minutes. We're less, well, we're well under fighting. the movie's length. <laughs> <laughs> well emily um what would you like to plug and where can people find you online well as we mentioned uh in the beginning of the show the third episode of the fan theories podcast will be out on march 20th it's a monday it, right before mass effect andromeda comes out because we will be talking about the amazing uh mass effect uh franchise it's not franchise because four games you can find that where you can find this podcast on the lovely their network as well as itunes google play uh soundcloud um also when is this coming out Tom? this actual episode that we are talking on right now will be out yeah. on the 6th of march 
So this Monday, um, if we, <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, um, if you also have been enjoying my time on the assembly of geeks slash geek directive podcast, um, you will know that my time on that podcast is coming to an end. Oh, what? And, yeah. And so, and it's, it's my own Breaking decision. News. I've just, um, it, uh, things are getting really, really hectic. I work 50 hour weeks now, um, in game design and get, I'm getting married. So I just kind of, I've, taken taken the choice to step away so you you know all the lovely listeners of those that podcast can have you know a a standard week-to-week host um so my final episode will also be this week uh on tuesday that's the seventh um it'll be really fun um so but please continue to listen to that podcast because it's really great um if you want to follow me on twitter and instagram i'm at that emily kelly um and and that's it for me (laughs) Well, we're even more uh, honored that you uh, chose to talk about Logan with us today. Um, yeah, I yeah. know this is my, I, my recording my final podcast for Geek Directive tonight. So, yeah, whoa. I know. And I just so but I, I we weren't going to get a chance to talk about Logan. And so I really wanted to. <laughs> so that's why I was like, yes, please. I would like to. Thank you. Yeah, I got an all caps response from Emily. Yeah. <laughs> At like 11 <laughs> o'clock last night. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Taylor, where can people find you? As usual, on Twitter at Taylor Trask, T-A-Y-L-O-R-T-R-A-S-K. And then um, on their.network. And we have a new show on their.network debuting soon called People of Interest. Look for that. Uh, It's what I'm hosting. And then uh, more Todd and Taylor show coming soon. More Wednesday and Westeros, hopefully, coming soon. Uh, More other other shows on the their network coming soon. So keep 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 listening. Yes, uh, and I'm at Hey Todd A on Twitter. Um, I am Facebook free these days, uh, although I've never plugged Facebook, but totally deleted it. So uh, you should too, and find me on Twitter. It's much better. <laughs> um, great, thank you both for joining, and we will just see everybody uh, later. Bye.